interrupt your program to bring you this important podcast. How to 911. Can you can you put me out of service on a podcast, please? Welcome back to another episode of How to 911. We I literally say this every single time. Another special, special episode, and this one's especially special because we have some special people. People, not just person. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Sammy. I'm Erica. And I will let our special guests introduce themselves. I'm okay. Jeff. Yay. Justin. What do you guys do? <laughs> Hang out. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? Oh, 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 oh. Um, I'm actually, uh, my name is Jeff Mayers. I'm a traffic officer for the City of Loveland Police Department. Um, I have been doing this now for nine years. Um, of those nine years, five of those, six of those years, been on traffic. Um, I'm also a motor instructor, so I get to ride all the cool motorcycles. This guy beside me, Justin here, he gets to do the exact same, and um, he's uh, probably better than me, I would say. <laughs> probably not. No? Right. That's me. Welcome. Uh, Justin Lorenzen, I've been a police officer for 18 years. I've been here in Loveland for 13, been in the traffic unit for 10 years. Um, I, as Jeff said here, ride motorcycles with him during the day when it's nice out. Um, I am a instructor for defensive tactics, firearms instructor, and the lead on our technical crash team. Oh, sorry. I didn't know we were going to talk about all the other things that we do here, too. Sure, I was going to say he's busy. Do you want to uh, follow well, up? Well, I guess I might. I, I, mean, I <laughs> might want to tell everybody else. I mean, I'm part of the liquor unit. I've uh, done SWAT before. Um, Intox instructor. What else did I do? What else did I do? I think it's about it here. All right. That's all I got. All right. All right. Thanks. Well, welcome again, and welcome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what brought you guys to Loveland Police Department? So for me, it was kind of a homecoming. Um, I grew up in Loveland. I've lived in Loveland my entire life. I actually graduated from Berthoud High School a long time ago. Um, So for me, it was kind of a homecoming. I actually started in Jefferson County at the Sheriff's Department back in 2003 and went over to Commerce City for a couple years, got some more experience, applied here, and was fortunate enough to start here in 08. So for me, being in Loveland, it was an easy decision. I know the area, um, know, grew up around knowing a lot of the officers that are still here. Some have retired and moved on. But for me, it was, um, like I said, it was familiar. So it was an easy decision to come here. Good. Um, I actually grew up in Denver um, back in 2000 when I graduated high school. I moved up here to Fort Collins area um, for college. Once I did that for a while, I fell in love with the area decided I didn't want to go anywhere else and kind of moved here and you know, that's my quick story on it. Otherwise, I'm here in Loveland. Well, that was actually quite boring. Emily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't have all the other cool things that he did. Is this your first police job? Uh, technically, yes. Uh, I spent like two months out in Trigo County in uh, Kansas. Okay. It's like a hundred and mile marker 127 out in the middle of Nowhere. <laughs> Beautiful. So, yes. Hmm. Nice. What do you guys... I forgot the question. <laughs> what do you guys uh, like about being at the Love and Police Department and specifically 
um, your division. So the thing that I like about the Loveland Police Department, I think is in general, is just the, um, I would say the camaraderie and the team atmosphere that there is with officers. Um, I think a lot of that gets lost in the bigger agencies. Mm -hmm. So I think for Loveland, it's really nice because we're still a smaller department, um, as you guys know. I mean, just the little things that we do every year together as a department with, you know, when we do the Christmas parties and we do all of that, having that closeness, I think, um, is important because then when officers do go through things in their life where they need assistance or they need somebody to talk to, it's kind of nice because there's always somebody there that knows you or is kind of familiar with mm -hmm. you. Um, specifically for me in the traffic unit, um, my passion's always been traffic. Um, actually, before I got in with Jeffco and got into city municipality type work with the city, um, I actually entertained trying to get on with state patrol mm -hmm. just because that's their focus is traffic so for me it's a passion um, and something that I've always wanted to do um, so until they tell me that I can't do the job anymore or I'm not doing it well I'll just continue to stay in there as long as I can and keep doing that awesome. so uh, I, I agree with Justin on that I think the the atmosphere we have here is more like a family mm -hmm. um, I would say that that's for all of it not just the officers but um, the administration up to dispatch everybody we all kind of look out for each other I think um, and it's it makes a really good good atmosphere for everybody to work with so I mean we can bring our kids over everybody kind of knows each other it's it's fun times um, I'm with being part of the traffic unit it was a thought but it was never actually a passion for me as Justin <laughs> put it um, Sergeant Gartner at the time Jameson Gartner actually uh, recruited me um, asked me to, to apply for it and um, you know I, I wasn't 100% sure I wanted to just do traffic. I, I kind of like both sides of it, the 911 side of it as well. Um, and so I put in and uh, first thing he did is put me into the motorcycles. So and then that's when I kind of found my passions with it. So once I started doing that and having a lot of fun with it and then riding with this guy all the time, he's kind of like the my bro when it comes to riding. So. He's the one I, I usually go out with when we do things out there. So uh, it kind of turned into a, its own passion, and now it's definitely um, something I don't want to ever lose or give up. And, and I think that's really what's what's cool about our department is um, there's a lot of things that we can do here. Mm -hmm. uh, there's not some one one small thing. So if you know you want to be a canine officer, you want to be, you know. Um, a detective, uh, you, you know, you, the sky's the limit. You don't have to be uh, tied to just patrol or tied to just one assignment. You can actually kind of float around wherever you want to go and whatever you mm -hmm. want your desire. Um, so it's kind of cool with, with that factor as well. So nice. It's neat to have like an accidental passion. You're like, yeah. yeah, I'm just doing my job and like, oh wait, I, I love this. Well, and I, I think that's the, and you know, I think that comes a lot. It's like you know, when you're trying to find your yourself in your own position in your own job. Mm -hmm. You know, like you you just graduate college or something, and you're like. Well, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. What do I really do? And you, you end up going off in a total different head. And, um, you know, that's, that's pretty much for me. I did computer work mm. all the time. And it wasn't really, for me, it wasn't, it was fun. I enjoyed it because that was something I did. But I didn't really find that it was my passion. And so now here I am doing something that is passion. So it's kind of cool. You can just kind of stumble upon it later in life. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be like set in stones mm -hmm. all the time. So. Nice. So the flip side. What don't you like? About your job. About my job, what I don't like. Gosh, I don't I don't know. I mean it's it's kinda of hard to 
to put down what I hate. Um, so, I don't know. I'm gonna have to come back to me for that one. Okay. I don't know. Some popular answers that we've gotten so far: are paperwork. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I, would, I would have to say. Um, yeah, I mean, if you put it that way, if you look at it, most people, and they probably explained it this way as well, is everybody thinks that, you know, we get to go out and we just kind of do things. We mm -hmm. keep going and going and going and mm -hmm. going. Well, every time we keep going and going, we have paperwork that piles up because mm -hmm. of each of those calls. And, uh, yeah, I could see that being a pay pain. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's easy for me. I just write a ticket and yeah, my paper's right yeah. there and then I give them that paperwork. So. <laughs> right away. <laughs> Uh, let's see, for me, I would have to say, well, I'm not going to speak in my current position or currently after all these years of doing it, but I will tell you, I wouldn't say the one thing, I wouldn't use the word necessarily hate, but the one thing that was really frustrating when you first get into law enforcement is the shift work. Mm. Um, especially if you're married or have a significant other mm -hmm. um, and you have children or whatever, the shift work is really hard. And unless you have somebody that really understands your job, the shift work, the hours, you're gonna miss birthdays, you're gonna miss holidays, you're gonna miss a lot of those important days. Um, that just is kind of an added stress to the, a job that's already stressful. Mm -hmm. and is unfortunately just continues to accumulate more stress as we go on, um, just different things in life in itself changing. But I think honestly, that was probably the hardest thing early on. Mm -hmm. um, if I were to look at the present time, the one thing, and I'll use the word hate, the one thing I hate is going on fatal crashes. Mm -hmm. um, that's probably the one part of my job that I can honestly use the word that I just hate. Mm -hmm. um, especially, the hardest part is not taking them personal um, and still making sure that you're remaining neutral and you're doing your investigation and you're looking at everything. And even though there can be frustrating factors like somebody's intoxicated or impaired or whatever the case might be, it's just hard to make sure that you don't personalize it, mm -hmm. um, especially when you're doing notifications at the hospital or you have to go to somebody's house. Mm -hmm. It's just hard to look at that person and be able to tell them what happened. Yeah. So that's probably the hardest part of my job. Um, and maybe hardest part is better than hate, but that's definitely the one part I don't necessarily like doing. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, when you talk about it that way, it's something, and when you say hate, I, th I think that's a good word for it because it's uh, it's something that's avoidable. Most mm. nine times out of ten, those crashes are avoidable um, if one person had done the right thing. So I think when he when he talks about that and how he can make it personal, I think it's because of that because we can look back and we can go back and through the scene and see well if he was two feet to this way, this would never mm. have happened, kind of a thing. So. Um, or this person hadn't been driving drunk or, mm -hmm. you know, if he had chosen not to step out in the roadway, you know, those kind of things. And you go back and you go, that's all he had to do. That's all she had to do. And um, none of that would have happened. So I, I, that's a good point um, with regards to that. So. Hmm. It must be tough. No. Well, and there's like a, a line between like being compassionate mm -hmm. and showing passion. So like, Jeff and I are passionate about accident investigation. We mm -hmm. want to be able to tell the story. We want to be able to give the family some, to the best that we can, some closure mm -hmm. when it's all said and done about what happened to the person that they may have lost or the person that suffered such significant injury that their life is now going in a totally different direction. Um, and then 
I think one of the hardest parts actually in law enforcement is straddling that line of being compassionate because you don't want to waver one way or the other. You kind of got to walk that line mm-hmm. to where you're not, for lack of a better analogy, you're not like that trooper, stone cold, iron look mm-hmm. type. You don't have any compassion mm-hmm. versus you're crying on scene with the family because, you know, so you have to find that line. And, you know, for some officers, it's, they do their professional on scene and then maybe they go home that night and they have their moment. But um, I think that's probably one of the hardest things is just, I guess the whole crash in itself, Mm -hmm. combining all those different factors. How do you, like, how do you handle it? Is it overwhelming because you see all the, I mean, you see everything and... So for me, um, I think <laughs> I, I, I will probably be the first one to tell you I may not handle everything perfectly all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to like the aftermath of yeah. when I'm home or when I have time to like decompress from whatever happened or whatever crash I'm on. Um, I, I, as sad as it sounds, a lot of it is just the repetition mm-hmm. and going on the crashes as often as we do you kind of just develop your own little routine on how you do things Mm -hmm. it's kind of like unfortunately when i have to go to autopsies it's the same kind of thing you just have to kind of take yourself out of it and realize that you're still there to investigate what happened Mm -hmm. Um, so i think everything is different if you go on a fatal crash that involves two people two adults and an adult dies that's a lot you're going to handle that a lot differently than you are when a family of four gets hit and their five-year-old child gets killed in the car and the mother's standing there screaming because her baby's dead Mm. and you know so it's hard there is everyone's different but there's some familiarity with each crash Mm -hmm. what he said okay (laughs) ditto There's other questions that I want to get to about dispatch and stuff, but I want to go down the, can we go down the motor vehicle accident path? Sure. You're talking about like, oh, if someone only had done this, or, you know, talking about if you hadn't stepped into the roadway, but if you're those quote-unquote normal accidents or something where they're avoidable, what's a suggestion you could give the public, like, to avoid something like that, or, you know, take an extra second at the stop sign or something that's a reminder that we should do when we're driving? So I guess my two pieces of advice would be, A, wear your seatbelt. It's really unfortunate when we go on these fatal crashes and you look at a vehicle that's not horribly damaged, Mm -hmm. but somebody gets thrown out of the car. Mm -hmm. Um, So wear your Mm -hmm. seatbelt. I get the state of Colorado has not does not recognize that as a primary violation. But for us in law enforcement, it is important. Um, It's not a revenue generator. It's not something that we're out, you know, for us in the traffic unit and on the crash team, it's more of, it's a safety thing. I mean, a lot of lives can be saved just by wearing your seatbelt. And then my only other piece of advice would be give yourself more time. Um, If you have to be somewhere at a certain time, give yourself more time. A lot of the crashes that we go on are just people rushing. Mm. they're rushing a turn or they're speeding down the road or they run that red light because they don't want to wait that four minutes at the light because they have to be somewhere. So plan out your 
whatever it is you're going to, whether it's a birthday party or a meeting for work or whatever it is, plan it out and just give yourself that extra amount of time because that's a lot of our crashes too. And I mean, we can always go down the road of impairment. I mean, statistically, there's a lot of impaired driving fatals, but just for the normal person every day, that's what I would suggest. Yeah, so um, with that, the other part of that is distracted. you know, and, and that can include up to your cell phone, you know, just everyday things, you know, before cell phones, it was radios, right? Um, I don't know if you guys are old enough for that stuff. <laughs> Jeff, we graduated the same year. Okay, well, well no, we're, we're good. Your heart. We're good, though, right? <laughs> right? So, um, no, I mean, there's always some kind of distraction in the car with us. Um, if it's not someone else, it's our own minds doing it, right? We're mm. thinking about what we're going to have for dinner, what we're going to do when we get home. Um, you know, what the first thing I have to do, how did I handle that situation? Those things are all running through everybody's minds. And, um, like Justin said, you know, giving time, I think time in your, in your car, it's good sometimes to talk and and do those things, but we also run into the whole daydreaming scenarios, right? Where you're just out there and you're kind of oblivious to what you're doing. You do it day in and day out, Mm -hmm. right? We, we drive to and from work, we drive it the same way. Um, another thing is to try different ways. Um, that way it keeps your mind from mm. knowing what's going on. So uh, you know, I don't know how many people have actually, you know, you look in the back in your rear mirror and you notice that there's a car back there. And then the next thing you know, you know, you're off doing something else and you look back again and it's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, like you didn't see a turn or the car in front of you for that matter. You didn't see a turn. You didn't see anything. It's just gone. You're like, where did that car go? <laughs> Um, I, I think that's really the big thing is just making sure your mind is not wandering. So those where we get a lot of those um, following too closely is mm-hmm. what we call them. Careless driving is really what they are. Um, most of the time, it's just you're, you're distracted in some way, just um, just not taking the time and, and not anticipating what's going to happen in front of you. Uh, and that's the big thing is, you know, when I was taught, my dad always taught me that you look two to three cars ahead right Mm. Um, if you look two to three cars ahead you can kind of see what the traffic flow is going to be obviously bigger vehicles you can't see around so you have to play and give yourself the distance to react Um, the way I put it a lot of times is like well what if a child throws a ball in the roadway Mm -hmm. what are you going to do how is that person going to avoid the next car behind him because that's usually the the case it's you know well that car slammed on its brakes and I had no time to stop well that's that's on you you need to make sure that you have that time to stop so um, I'd say the biggest thing is just, you know, give yourself, um, you can decompress in your car, but make sure when you're driving, your your focus and your attention is on what you're doing. Um, and, and like Justin was saying, with regards to statistics and everything, our, our chief kind of talks about the, you know, each statistic is a person, mm-hmm. right? Each crash has people involved. Um, yeah, we have stats of saying, you know, we've had this many accidents, but each one of those is an actual person that was probably injured or hurt or affected by it in some way whether they were injured or not so um, we just got to make sure that people are paying more attention to those kind of things what do you guys do when you investigate accidents like what what is the investigation part of it um so usually it's our uh, when we roll up on a scene it's usually first the call comes into you guys for dispatch Um, you tell us if there's usually any injury or not injury Um, there's the also unknown injury right Mm -hmm. so we don't know what the, the whole extent to it um, depending on the amount of calls that come in on a call, um, kind of tells us the extent of injuries really quickly. Um, usually if it's a very bad scene, we get a lot of calls. You guys get a ton of calls, mm-hmm. and we get dispatched quickly. Um, but most of them are just the fender benders, you know, someone running in the back of another one. 
So most of the time we get on scene, we, we like to contact all the people again to verify that everybody's okay. Um, everybody's moving around, um, try to get um, as much information, get all their information for their vehicles, their insurance, um, and figure out what happened. So we ask each party individually what, what occurred, what, they, what their uh, perception about what, is, what happened. Um, and then from there, we, we kind of, do, based upon the evidence that's on the roadway, the damage to the vehicles, we can kind of, from there, help determine. Um, a lot of times we can use different cameras. Some, mm -hmm. some cars now have cameras in them. So a lot of people are now carrying their own cameras in their car, which is kind of cool. It kind of, it helps out a lot, I think. Um, we've seen a lot of pretty gnarly accidents actually <laughs> off of people's dash cams that they have, um, and they say a lot. They tell a story. You know, a lot of times um, uh, it's hard to remember right away what exactly happened, especially if you're in shock, mm -hmm. right? So you need that time to to decompress yourself. And for us, these are just every day we see these, so it's not like it's a a big huge. Um, stressor to us when we get to a scene, whereas someone that has just never been involved in an accident, never had this kind of contact, even with law enforcement for that matter, it's very stressful, mm -hmm. right? Um, being able to remember what exactly happened is, is sometimes hard, so, and that's why we use the roadway, they use the vehicles, those kind of things to help determine that stuff. Colorado is a no-fault state. <laughs> Go ahead, Justin. I'll what does that mean? Go ahead. Okay, I was gonna say so. <laughs> like, no, I'm gonna. We, um, as a police department, do not determine fault. Okay. We determine if there is a violation. It's the insurance companies that figure out who's at fault. Okay. Um, and I used air quotes for that. Um, be it, it's and it could be like you know a fifty-fifty. They say we'll be with both of them. So like a parking lot, for example, someone backs into another car, but the stories don't match. Um, we usually, the reason I bring it up is a private property. Normally, we don't go out to those unless insurance is not involved um, or impairment. But otherwise, um, it would be the insurance companies figuring it out, and they would determine who's at fault. It could be 60-40. It could be 30-70. It could be whatever, but they would be the ones that determine that. So all we determine as a police department is if there is a violation that committed. And most of the time, we can find out just from, as I said, like an improper lane change, not paying attention to your surroundings. Those kind of things are what we're looking at. So. And that's when you get tickets? That is when you get tickets. And I will tell you that for the most part, like crashes are like strict liability crimes, mm -hmm. right? So if you think about it, for accidents and crashes, there's no intent, mm -hmm. right? You're not intending necessarily. So you might be intentionally running a red light, mm -hmm. which is your traffic violation, but you're not intending to slam into the car that has the green light, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yes. So like with the criminal mischief, when you damage a vehicle, you, you're, it's intentional. Mm -hmm. you're, you're intending on keying that car, or your intent is to slash the tires or whatever. That's more of a criminal code type of a situation. With accidents, it's really like, Everything that Jeff has set up to this point, whether it's a distracted driving, following too close, whatever's going on, you didn't mean to rear in that car. That wasn't your intent. Mm -hmm. So when we do investigate crashes, um, I don't usually use the word fault. I use kind of more of like who's responsible. Um, and then all we're looking for is if there was a traffic violation. Because at the end of the day, when it comes to fixing vehicles, so if it's a non-injury crash, when it comes to fixing vehicles, it's really civil between the insurance companies. So when we write a ticket, it's just because we have a known violation, um, which the insurance companies like us to do because then it helps them in their investigation. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's civil 
because they're fixing property, they're fixing their vehicles. Um, it only changes when you start getting into your code 77s and your crashes yeah. that are more dynamic that you start looking at other things. So like vehicular assault charges or vehicular homicide charges or stuff that's more egregious other than your normal just ran into the back of another car. I like that viewing it as a civil thing. Um, I haven't had it explained to me that way, so that's a good way to look at it. And it really is because even with, so officers have a ton of discretion, right? As far as what whatever call we go on, do you make an arrest, do you no, don't make an arrest? Is it If it's a DV call, it's different, obviously, because by law we have to mm -hmm. if we have a crime. But like with crashes, I've had vehicles that are just stopped at a red light and the person reaches over to pick something up off their passenger seat for a second and their foot comes off the brake a little bit and they just roll into another car. Mm -hmm. I don't think that warrants a careless driving ticket. Right. You know what I mean? So I will still write up my report showing that that vehicle is responsible for the damage and then civilly they'll still get their vehicle fixed, mm -hmm. right? I just didn't feel that there was a careless intent mm -hmm. or careless action that necessarily warranted a ticket being issued. Yeah. So that's how I view the crashes, but obviously every officer would view it differently. Yeah. I just, that's just me. That's good. You know, and, and a lot of it, you know, we talk about it, so if it's on a public roadway, it has to be reported. Mm -hmm. So um, one way or another, it, it needs to be reported. It's, it's, it's better if you do it on scene um, because then we can have all the information right there and you, you'll have that to give to your insurance company as well. Um, whereas just a, a he said versus she said kind of a thing. So, mm -hmm. um, and then for private property, as long as it's um, you have insurance, everybody's good at exchanging information. There's not a, a disturbance because of it. It's, that's how we usually handle the private property stuff. So, and if you guys think in dispatch of all the crashes that get called into you, think of all the ones you don't get. So, yeah. I'm behind Jeff at a stoplight, and I run into the back of him, and I'm like, "Hey, my bad. Mm -hmm. You know what?" I dropped my water bottle, I bent over to pick it up, I rolled into you, here's all my information, go get some estimates, I'll fix your car, right? So we're never called, reports never generated, I fix this vehicle, and we go on our way. So right, that circles me back around to the whole civil part mm -hmm. because two parties are just agreeing to fix the vehicles. Now, as law enforcement, we don't encourage that because all of a sudden if that other person mm -hmm. decides to back out or recants or whatever, and it's been like a month, now you don't have the officer out there doing the investigation, observing the damage, stuff like that. Yeah. So it's always best to call us, but unfortunately people are in a hurry, kind of going back to what we were talking about before, and they're just like, here's all my information. With cell phones, people just take pictures now, mm -hmm. and then they get their vehicles fixed and they go on their way. Mm -hmm. So the only thing that I wanted to add to uh, Jeff when he was talking about crashes and he covered everything, the only other thing that I would suggest um, you know, to officers when they go on crashes is slow down. Mm -hmm. right the crash has happened um, it's done so slow things down to a pace that you're comfortable with um, don't get caught up so much in all of the chaos that's going on because it's very easy to and then you start yeah. like missing things mm -hmm. same way I'm sure with you guys in dispatch you guys get your echo medical calls or you get your calls and you just got to slow down mm -hmm. go, okay I got to go through the numbers and I've got to go through the process it's the same way with us because mm -hmm. then things get missed or you miss evidence on scene, whether it's a skid mark or a gouge mm -hmm. mark, or you miss something. Mm -hmm. So I always tell people, even when I'm on crashes just helping, I'm like, just slow down. Mm -hmm. What's comfortable for you, mm -hmm. we'll work through the crash. Mm -hmm. And when we get the cars cleared, we get them cleared, but don't race through it and then miss something. Or, um, wish you'd have done something different. Yeah. That's my only thing on that. Good.
And the Code 77 is what? So the Code 77 is basically our technical crash team. Um, so we, as a team, um, we come out on anything that involves serious bodily injury that is likely going to result in the death of the person. So serious bodily injury, by definition, can be a broken leg. We're, as a team, not going to come out on that. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to come out on is is that is death imminent? Mm. Um, or did the person pass away on scene? Or did they die at the hospital? Or what happened? So when we come out, that investigation is totally different than just your normal, and I say normal with air quotes, mm -hmm. crash. Um, because now there's a lot more things involved. So we're looking at, we have crime scene technician come out and take a bunch of photos. We bring out our technical accident gear, which takes uh, measurements of the roadway, um, vehicle positions, roadway evidence. Um, we have the drone come out. The drone's gonna come out and fly the scene. So we're gonna get aerial photos. And most people, I think, what most people may not understand is there is so much that you don't see at the ground level mm. that the drone can show you. Um, so the drone is like a huge, huge asset to the Code 77 team. Awesome. Um, we'll pull um, crash data information from the vehicle. So anytime a vehicle is involved in a crash, whether they're or not, the airbags deploy or they don't deploy, it still captures information about the vehicle. Was the vehicle braking? What was the vehicle speed? How much energy came into the car? Um, were the parties seatbelted in at the time? Um, a lot of the cars will tell you how much steering input there was if they were trying to avoid the crash or they weren't avoiding the mm. crash. Um, so all of that information we gather and we just cross-reference it with the evidence that we get on scene. And it just helps us kind of build our case. So when we come out, it goes from just a, you know, maybe Jeff and I are on patrol and go to a rear end crash to kind of like a detective mm -hmm. type of investigation now. If impairment's involved, we'll have a drug recognition expert come out or a DRE will come out, and they'll handle that part of it. Um, so all of us kind of take a portion of it, and that way one person's not stuck doing the whole entire thing. And then the nice part about it is we all have great knowledge when it comes to crash investigations. So there's things that Jeff might miss or I might miss that somebody else on the team might see, or when we're all done doing the math and figuring out calculations and speed and everything that we have to do, it's always nice to have somebody else look at it. Mm -hmm. um, we use Officer Salazar a lot for consulting um, because even though, because of his SRO duties, he's not able to be on the team anymore, he's a huge asset when it comes to like motorcycle crashes mm -hmm. and figuring out different things with our more dynamic crashes. Um, so I think that's really, Code 7017, we got hit pretty hard earlier this year, but hopefully things will kind of, <laughs> level out a little bit for the rest of the year. So. Thank you. Do you have to do a lot of training in order to become a part of that team? So... <laughs> <laughs> You're the lead, bro. So the, the Code 77 team, so the accident team, there's actually different classes you can go to depending on how far you want to go. So I am a level four investigator. So I, the level four is basically auto pedestrian crashes. So the next one that I would go to, um, when things kind of calm down a little bit with COVID and everything would be the motorcycle part of it. But there's so much you can get into. Um, heavy trucks is its own, um, its own entity, if you will, as far as doing crash investigation. 
um, there's a lot involved with that because the braking systems and dynamics and everything with trucks is a lot different. Um, the airbag control modules that we were talking about where you pull that information off the card, there is tons of analyst classes that you can go to that really dissect that information and how to apply it to your crash. So you can really just get embedded in it and I mean, you can go as far as you want with it. Um, for me, I am satisfied being at a four because I would say 95% of the crashes that we probably go on, that's enough for me to figure out what I need to for the investigation. Um, so I'm good with that. Yeah, and um, I'm level two um, on that totem pole, um, which is a lot too. And then also with what he was talking about, like the CDR, the crash data stuff, um, I became a tech, which is one and two, and then also the analyst of that information so we can look at what the car tells us or the, the crash data tells us, and we can help try to figure it out. So it's kind of the last piece of a puzzle for a crash. Hmm. Um, we put it together towards the end. And it basically what it helps do is it helps validify or Verify. There you go. Verify um, what you already yeah, validate. That's probably the word I was looking for. It sounded better the way I meant it. Um, validate what we had on scene and kind of what was already found out prior to. Or so. How many levels are there? If you're a four. Twenty. Uh, yeah, there's Fifty. So Infinity. Only at four. Yeah. <laughs> Just the basic, probably five. Okay. So I would say if you did one, two, three. Four is autoped, five is motorcycle investigation. And then anything you go beyond that is more just like if you start, like I said, if you start getting into heavy trucks or other dynamic parts of a crash involving other vehicles that are not either a pedestrian, a bicycle, a motorcycle, or just two cars, then your expertise is going in another direction. Mm. So um, there is a lot depending on what you want to do. Um, there are certain agencies that have just a detective that that's all they do. Hmm. So like Fort Collins, they use Drew Jerkowski. Uh, he's their primary investigator for most of their fatal crashes. And they have a very experienced team that are, and they're very smart. Um, they're a good group of guys and girls that we'll often reach out to if we're not available and we need somebody to come out, hmm. they'll cover us a lot of times on crashes. Um, or if we just have a question, if mm -hmm. it's just that anomaly or that Yeti crash where you're like, I have no idea, you know, they're a good resource to have, so. Nice. Yeah. Anything else? I think, I think Trevor? I'm good. Okay. Yeah, because we touched on the private property, which mm -hmm. I think was very yeah. important. Yeah, I think that's a good distinction yeah. that yeah. people aren't aware of. Yeah, and I mean, also being on, for the citizen side of it, um, when you get an accident, call 911 right away. Let them know what's going on. Um, direction of travel is usually a good good help for, for us as well, getting on scene. Because mm -hmm. um, that sucks sometimes when you're trying to figure out which side of the road is on and then you have to make a U-turn in the middle of the road. Especially on Eisenhower where you have to go right. on the Right, right. Yeah. Well, you can kind of figure it out after a while because the traffic is completely backed up on one side. <laughs> so oh, you kind of learn it. <laughs> yeah, you kind of learn where it's at. But it, no, it's, it's helpful. Um, Descriptions of the vehicles for them, um, and then like you said, you're, you're probably guys are really looking into like the extent of injuries and those things. So, um, for the people that are involved in the crashes, just take a deep breath, um, make sure everybody's okay, make sure everybody's safe out of the roadway um, as much as possible, 
if the cars can move, mm -hmm. um, it's usually not a bad idea to move them. Okay. Um, a lot of times we don't need the cars actually to still be in the same spot okay. if it's a minor accident. Um, the major ones, obviously, if the car is disabled and you can't move it, then that's that's totally fine. We understand that. But moving the vehicles off the roadway to help keep the flow of traffic so we don't get a secondary crash because that's mm -hmm. usually what happens is we'll get a secondary crash from it because, again, it's all about the distracted portion of mm -hmm. it. Um, and then just get your information ready. Um, if you can exchange it with the other person, like um, Justin was hitting on uh, taking pictures. A lot of people do that now. They just take photos of like the driver's license, the insurance, the registration, and then they're off and they, they at least got all that information. So um, that's, that's really the biggest thing. And then as I said, we just try to, we slow it down too. So um, it, we, we try to get there in a pretty timely manner. And we try to get them busted out as quick as possible. So I think right now, what, we can get it done in probably about 15 minutes, hmm. if that, sometimes, most part. If we get there, and especially if there's two of us on scene, yeah. um, one does one thing, and we like to the, delegate the, the different tasks so that way it makes it go much, much quicker. And the only thing I would say on private property for people that are listening is just keep in mind that it's not a public roadway, mm -hmm. and there is technically no right-of-way. So there's only certain mm. charges that law enforcement can even enforce on private property. So when people are driving like in front of a King Supers or in front of a Target and there's a stop sign and a car blows through that stop sign, we can't write a ticket for that. Um, the arrows that are going down the rows of the parking lot to tell you which direction to travel, that's not like a one-way road that mm -hmm. we can enforce a ticket. So if somebody's driving the wrong way and the arrow's pointing the other way, I mean, we can't write a ticket for that, yeah. you know? So just keep in mind, that's why um, we don't want people to get frustrated if dispatch says, you know, is, if it's private property, nobody's heard, just exchange information, do your report online. Um, it's not because we don't want to come out, it's just because there's, there's no, it's not a public roadway. Mm -hmm. um, so that's part of the reason for private property crashes that we try to have people handle it between themselves. Cool. So we get to the good question. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite thing about dispatch? So my favorite thing about dispatch is... Don't say Erica. You can't be bucket and Carmen's <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> no, I will tell you, the one thing I love about dispatch, and I think this circles back to my um, comment that I made uh, when we first started in being such a close-knit department and a close family is just the relationship you build with the dispatchers. Mm -hmm. So um, like with Erica, I'll just use you as an example. So if I'm on a traffic stop, just an inflection in my voice because you've heard me call out enough traffic stops and clear enough people and stuff like that, um, you know something's not right. Mm -hmm. I mean, so whether you start another car or another officer or you don't, you are honed in on something doesn't sound right so I'm going to pay a little bit closer attention to what's going on with him mm -hmm. because he's done he does enough traffic stops during the day that something just doesn't sound right you know he's seems a little panicked or a little something's just not good um so that that's the one thing that I like because I think it just goes back to you just start building we're not so big that you know everybody's voice um so for like us I know most of the dispatchers when they're on the radio, you know, and when they're talking. Um, so I, I, that's the one thing that I like. I just like the fact that I don't have to tell you all the time that maybe something doesn't feel right. You guys can sense it. Um, awesome. And that's what I like. That's the one thing I probably like most. Yeah. Cool. 
interested. Um, I, I would agree with everything that Justin said, and and kind of piggyback on the whole thing is, it, it's so friendly to come up there, um, and, and to listen to you guys on the radio as well. So, we know when people get irritated. You know when di- when officers get irritated. You know when, when you guys get irritated at us. So, um, we kind of we kind of feel it, and, and also we're not. Um, we're a team, right? I mean, we can't do our job without your job, and um, you're you're kind of the first line to this bigger picture, right? And unfortunately, a lot of times you guys don't get to see the the aftermath or mm-hmm. the the conclusion. I guess you guys get all these beginning of a story and never the conclusion to a story. So, um, I think uh, I think that's one thing that probably we can work on a little bit more is to to help include you guys more into that conclusion of it. So that way. But I, I come up with the dispatch, I give you guys high fives and those kind of things around there. So <laughs> I, I think it's it's an open, as soon as this silly COVID stuff goes yeah. away and hopefully things go back to a to a, a new normal, we can we can start doing that again and those kind of things. So, um, but. And yeah. oh, it's really nice when you guys do come up because we can build those relationships. And it's so fun when Jeff runs through, it's like, I'm on the phone, I'm just like, here, just. I know you'll do a high five. <laughs> they, and, and just right, I mean, and it works both ways. Kind of going back to what I was saying, if you guys air a crash, and I'm only using a crash because we're on the topic of traffic, but when you guys air a crash, we can tell. Mm-hmm. So we can tell in your voice that you guys are getting multiple 911s mm-hmm. or the panic. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say panic, but just that elevated, elevated. stress level mm-hmm. that, oh my God, we're having like 10, 11, 12 911 calls come in all at one time. So when you're when you say you know 157 with 167 to back on an unknown MBA, just your tone inflection will tell us okay that something's not right, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think that just goes to with working with you guys for so long and yeah. building that rapport. So mm-hmm. it kind of goes both ways. Good. So flip side of that, what is your least favorite thing about dispatch? Go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> or something that we could improve upon. Yeah. Not necessarily that you don't oh, like it, but I like maybe constructive know, criticism. No, I, I don't. Even, I honestly, I really don't have any constructive criticism because, um, for the most part, uh, it's usually worked out. So I mean, it sucks when you guys have trainees because <laughs> <laughs> we're so used to. You know, we get so used to with you guys on there the, that have been doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. We can spell it out. We can uh-huh. say it real quick, and then it's relayed instead of having to like sometimes repeat or repeat but that's totally that's a normal mm-hmm. that's a Training. normal beast yeah. that it, Growing we, we're not, yeah and we totally get it because you got to get it from us plus well mm-hmm. we have trainees and you're like oh my gosh can he <laughs> can he or she just please just spit it out <laughs> just spit it out so um you know i i think it's it really is something um i really don't have a huge complaint because um, you guys work really well with us, and, and I think we work really well with you when it comes to certain situations. Um, we're not bickering on the radio, for one matter. Um, and if we do, we, we, we can sit down and talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that's a big thing is that um, even afterwards, you know, we'll do a debrief or something, and, you know, you go, hey, Jeff, you're kind of rude on the radio, and I go, I apologize. Um, and then, yeah. No, I didn't. No, what? Let me show you. <laughs> let me rewind that tape. Yeah, right, let me Dang it, it, I got it recorded. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, I think, honestly, I, I, I really don't have a huge complaint other than, you know, just everyday things we just do. And it's just, uh, we work really well. And, awesome. Um, yeah. Good answer. And thank you.
now. I got no. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, please. <laughs> so I you know, know what? I know it's a total. I know that it's a total cop out, but at the end of the day, I mean, no pun intended. Um, I don't. You know. Just spit it out. I really don't have anything because the problem is, I probably only know. 10% of what your guys' job is yeah. and what you guys do up there. Whether it's medical calls coming in or handling 911 calls or um, just inputting information or running people and getting that, that information in the notes. And um, so, I mean, I only know a small percentage of what you guys do. I mean, and I think, you know, what Jeff said, you know, just being able to debrief certain situations mm -hmm. with you guys, um, I don't necessarily look at that as a fault on your guys' thing. It's more mm -hmm. of just how to make things better, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and where that, and again, I'm not going to address a negative with you guys, where that's a positive for you is a lot of times you ask. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll come up and you'll be like, hey, is there something we could have done different? Or is there something else you guys needed to know before you got there that we didn't tell you? Or, so you guys are already asking. Um, the one thing that I really like is, especially with dispatch, there's no huge egos. You know, you don't walk into dispatch mm -hmm. and have people going, oh, I'm the best that there is, and don't question me, and I have to say that because Erica's sitting here, but um, <laughs> no, there really isn't. I mean, there's really not that um, don't tell me how to do my job mentality. That's it's, good. You guys are very, you know, open to suggestions mm -hmm. or things that we can do better, and I hope that you see the line the same way mm -hmm. that most officers are acceptable to you information and constructive criticism and how to do things you know things that they can tell you mm -hmm. that help you get your resources lined up so mm -hmm. that you can do your job better yep. you know to kind of close that gap of frustration that can sometimes come out on calls but I really don't I I've worked with all of you long enough that um, yeah I don't really have anything negative I've worked That's with you long enough and I'm afraid to open my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> We appreciate and I appreciate that understanding too because some, I feel like sometimes some people don't and you know I don't know everything that you do I don't know when you're talking to a citizen on a traffic stop and I you know so I, we, we know this much of what you do I'm making a you can't see me but I know just one little fraction like you said just 10% of what you do so to have the understanding with each other is really good. What do you guys want the public to know about what you do in Loveland, please? Uh, I know I've touched a lot about educational Yeah, things, and I, I think that's a big one right there is the education piece. Um, we're, we're not really here. Yes, we are a traffic unit and we, and we enforce traffic laws, um, but we also do the education portion of it, and we do it a lot. I mean, not just with the city. We do other things outside of it as well. So um, I, I just want, uh, I guess, the public to know that and our hope this is throughout the Boulder Police Department is um, everybody makes mistakes, right? Um, some bigger than others, but the, the idea is to learn from them and move on. Um, and, and that's the big thing. So, I mean, you're, you're probably going to get in trouble, right? Just like with your parents. If you do something wrong, you're going to get in trouble. You'll get grounded, right? They can't take that back, or they, they may take it back but I mean for the most part you get in trouble and you got to just face the consequences so um, and, and that's the big thing is like we all we all do it um, we've all been there um, and uh, just realize that we as a police department are not out to get everybody um, we're actually more about wanting to make inclusion 
Um, we know that um, without the public, there is no police, right? Um, it, we, we function together and we have to be unified in that whole thing. So we want to make sure the community is safe. We want them to know that they are safe. You know, um, we did a, this, the survey for the city that, um, you know, talked about what was the, the biggest crime or what was the biggest fear of crime. And the thing was, it was, you know, road rage. Mm. Road rage was one of the number ones. Mm. So for that being that case, that's why we focus a lot on traffic enforcement is because that's what the public and what our community believes is what is a, a big issue. Um, and, and you see it out there day in and day out and you guys hear about it traffic mm -hmm. related calls all the time right someone going down the road too fast cutting people off almost push, pushing them off into the roadway so I mean it, and it's true it's got to be true I mean if it's the public's telling you they're telling you on the phone it's got to be true right and that's the thing is um, we don't just come up with these ideas to of why we should be enforcing yes we have plans for that but the, the main goal is from the, um, the citizens. They're the ones that tell us what we need to do. Um, and they tell us we need traffic enforcement. So that's kind of our thing. And, you know, we want to make sure everybody's safe in that regards. Yeah, beat that, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well said. <laughs> um, you know, I'm going to say it because everybody assumes it. And I'm going to be the one to say it. Um, us as a department, more specifically as a traffic unit, we do not have quotas. So despite what a lot of people think out there, it's not, we don't have quotas um, when it comes to when we're taking traffic enforcement and we're writing tickets. Um, and it goes back to what I was saying before, we have a lot of discretion. And a lot of times things can be handled through the education portion of it, through a roadside counseling session, if you will, mm. um, and other times, you know, a ticket is warranted. So the first thing I'm going to say is just understand that there is no magic number as a traffic unit, as a department, um, police officers are not out to hit a magic number. That's not what we're out there to do. We're out there to enforce traffic laws, try to keep the roads safe so that our code 77 or our technical team isn't dispatched to these fatal crashes that we don't want to go to. Um, for those that are listening that have kids, um, as I do, that are driving, um, I want to make sure that the roads are safe when my son and daughter are out driving by themselves, you know, and that's part of what our responsibility is as law enforcement and as police officers and as a traffic unit. And then I think the last part that I would leave you with is don't forget that we're people. So don't dehumanize the fact that we're cops. Um, we have feelings, we have families, we have good days, we have bad days. We've got stuff that's going on in our lives that you may not know about, but we're still expected to go out and do our job to the best that we can do it. And, you know, unfortunately, officers sometimes uh, try as they may and as hard as they can to leave home at home and only concentrate on work at work. Sometimes those lines blur. Um, so. The next time an officer contacts you and you know you want to be a little disrespectful or a little unprofessional just understand that you know we're still going to try to maintain a professional level we're still going to talk to you professionally um, and just understand that it's very appreciated when we get that in return um, and just i guess 
that goes back to the whole, that whole adage that your parents told you when you were a kid, you know, treat others like you want to be treated. And that's kind of what we do, you know. We'll treat you with the utmost respect and professionalism that we can, but if you take it down another road where we have to go another road to get to a certain result, then that's what part of our training is. But um, just don't forget who we are, you know. Don't let the badge, the uniform, the gun, the car, skew your perception of the fact that we're still people and that's really what I would say to that. Thank you. So kind of on that note, sorry I'm going to derail for a second. (laughs) When you guys pull somebody over for like a minor traffic violation or whatever it may be, what do you want the public to, like what is something that you wish people would be more aware of like doing? So like if you, like what am I trying to say? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like what should they be prepared for? Yes, exactly. Um, so when an officer contacts you, just be prepared for the fact that they're, they don't necessarily know what they're walking up to. Um, we don't know if, what type of a person you are. Um, we don't know what's in the car. We don't know anything walking up to the car. So don't misconstrue us being cautious with us being overzealous, mm-hmm. I guess, if you will. Because mm-hmm. um, we've got to take in the whole situation. We've got to look at everything. Is it 2 in the morning? Is it 10 in the afternoon? Um, Is it during school hours or is it during hours on a Saturday during a holiday weekend where there's a lot of a bunch of people out or or whatever the situation might be? Um, But just know that the officer is going to approach your car. They're going to identify themselves. At least most of them should. um, Who they are, the reason for the contact. um, And then just know they're going to ask you for like license, registration, insurance. Um, so what I would encourage people to do and is make sure all your documents are up to date. Make sure you have them in your glove box. I know a lot of things have gone digital over time. So what I always tell people to do is if you have digital insurance cards, um, when you're at home one night, bring up that digital insurance card and take a screenshot. Mm-hmm. And then it's always saved in your photo gallery. And then you don't have to go through the trouble of, oh, I forgot my password and now I can't log in. And, you know, so. <laughs> the app's saving forever to. Right. Yeah, or don't I don't have, have Wi Fi yeah. or whatever is going on. You always have it saved in your gallery. That's right. And it's something you can always just show the officer. We're perfectly fine with that. Um, we don't necessarily have to have the hard copy, just something to show you have insurance. Um, and just know you'll be treated with respect. Um, and. Whether you get a ticket, don't get a ticket, get a written warning, however the call plays out, just know that, you know, that it's, it's not personal when you're, if and when you get a ticket. If and when. If and when. Mm-hmm. Anything, any? Mm. No, all right. No, nope, okay. he, he covered all. <laughs> good. I have another question. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, are you guys good on time? Yeah. Okay. Um, perfect. I'll ask more questions. No, nope. go ahead. Um, a lot of people, at least I've spoken to, have called and asked, like, why are there two officers on a traffic stop instead of one and stuff like that? So what circumstances in which would there be two officers on a traffic stop? So, I mean, it, it, it all kind of depends. Um, or but, it's just more than one in general. Yeah. So, I mean, if I'm in the area and I see him, I'll, I'll probably back him. Um, and that's usually how it goes. So we, we want to check on each other as well. So uh, a lot of times it's to protect the other officer. Um, and by protect, I mean not from the person in the car, but from actually like traffic. So um, for example, if he's in his Tahoe and I'm in the motorcycle, 
he'll more than likely grab his Tahoe and pull in behind me to protect the motorcycle and, and the person in front too, uh, because that's not going to be very much protection. So a lot of times it goes down to that, or they may need some help with something. Hey, can you um, do this piece of paper? Um, you know, if someone doesn't have a driver's license and it's suspended or something, there's extra paperwork that has to go with it. So they would be helping with that. Um, those are usually the big times or big, big issues or big times that would come up. Like um, stuff. Yeah. So I mean, it has nothing to do with usually the car being pulled over. Um, the time it may is if you know registration is not on the current vehicle, so they use a different plate that doesn't register to that vehicle. Well, that can raise a suspicion anyway. So we may call for another code. And again, that's just to make sure that the safety of that officer so they can conduct their business, maybe so he can go to the front of the vehicle or she can go to the front of the vehicle and make sure the plate is the same instead of just by, by, by themselves. So again, it really comes down to just the safety portion of it. It has nothing to do with the person that they pulled over more than likely. Um, it's just dealing with um, the situation itself. And I'll say it, because Jeff's not going to say it, but I'm going to say it. So when we're out riding, so you got to think we're on motorcycles, so we don't have a lot protecting us. So um, a lot of times, like if you send one motor officer to a crash, the other one's going to go for all of those same reasons. But I'm going to say it, because I can own it, if you drop that 1,000 pound bike on the ground, you need a buddy to come help you pick <laughs> it up. So um, not you're not always in a position where you can lift it by yourself. So it's kind of nice. So. Um, for us, usually when we're riding motors, we'll usually ride together and we'll work the same area. Mm -hmm. So that, and it can be something s as simple as you just slide out, you wash out on some gravel in the roadway, or you know somebody cuts you off and you have to set the bike down, or you fall off the sidewalk. I mean, who the heck knows? Are these but are just imaginary. They're imaginary. Mm -hmm. So they're kind okay. of. It's definitely not experience. Uh, no, no. Uh -uh. it's like make believe. Uh -huh. so we're gonna go down the fiction. <laughs> like road. a what if, yeah. Like a mm -hmm. what if type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, gotcha. So we do that mainly because it, it's just safety for us. Um, so if if I contact a vehicle and all of a sudden you hear something's not right, and you're like, I'm gonna send Mayors because he's like four blocks away. At least he's close. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's that's a lot. It's, from a motor aspect, it's a good officer safety thing to always have somebody close or if somebody doesn't pull over to the right so normally you pull over to the right um that would be the the, the, the right thing to do but they pull off in the, the center median mm -hmm. for example um that might raise suspicions as well so we're not sure exactly what's going on yeah. um and plus again you got traffic on both sides of you now instead of it just being on one side so mm -hmm. to protect and when people when you are on the correct side of the road it's on the right side and someone in your doing whatever you need to do. People should give you some space. They should get into the other lane or slow down. So by law, they're required to move over. So it's part of that whole move over law. Mm -hmm. So, and it can be for any emergency equipment. It's not just law enforcement, fire, um, tow trucks, mm -hmm. any CDOT, um, just please move over. Um, until you stood out on an interstate and have somebody mm -hmm. go by you at 80 miles an hour, um, it's uh, an unearthly feeling to just have somebody just buzz by <laughs> you like that. Um, most of the commuting public and people driving around in Loveland are very good about moving over for us. Mm -hmm. If traffic is so heavy and you can't move over, just slow down to an appropriate speed. And an appropriate speed is not the posted speed limit. Mm -hmm. If it's 45, go by us at like 30, mm -hmm. you know, because you don't know 
what may end up happening. And it goes back to what Jeff was talking about with collision avoidance mm -hmm. and maintaining that safe distance in case that kid runs out in front of you. What if all of a sudden the officer is in a struggle with somebody and they end up rolling out into the lane of traffic, right? You'll have a better opportunity to slow down doing 30 than you would buzzing by at 45, 50 miles an hour. So, Or, you know, somebody realizes that you say, hey, I'll be right back. I'm, you know, you can't find your insurance card. I'll be right back. Don't worry. Don't get out of the vehicle or anything like that. And you go back, but they get out of the vehicle, mm -hmm. right? Because that's what, you know, you're like, oh, shoot, I found it. I found it. And you go to run back there and here comes a car. Mm -hmm. So. Anything else from you guys? Thank you. No, thank I you guys. It. I would just leave you with you guys with this. Thank you to the public, um, especially the residents, uh, Larimer County, specifically Loveland. Um, we get such a great outpouring of love and support from the community, and in times like now, we greatly appreciate it. And it kind of goes back to those those traffic stop encounters and just being polite and not, you know just being professional to us as we be professional to you. Um, but the support that we get is huge. And we, I would just like, on behalf of the Loveland Police Department in particular, dispatch, traffic, all of us, um, thank you for that. Because um, it's very nice to get encouraging words and um, people support. And whether it's on a traffic stop or people stop in and give us a nice card, um, it's just, it's refreshing. And it, helps keep our morale mm -hmm. and our drive and willingness to want to do the job high. Mm -hmm. And um, so for that, I say thank you and I appreciate it. Nice. Ditto. That's all I got. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for yeah, showing sure. up. Yeah, you're welcome. Not a problem. Um, next time we'll have another episode. <laughs> uh, you can follow us and like us on Facebook at Loveland Emergency Communications Center. You can follow us on Instagram at howto911podcast. If you have any questions for uh, Officer Mayers or Officer Lorenzen, you can email us at howto911 at cityofloveland.org. Um, if you have any questions for me and Erica, you can always hit us up. Um, until then, know where you are, know your phone number, and tell us exactly what happened. Yay. Now it's official. Okay. I guess if it's official. Well, put your hat back on there. I gotta got put my hat back on. Thank you. Um, Where yeah. can I get one of those super cool hats? You gotta join the traffic unit. How do I do that? Sammy wanted to be a detective <laughs> earlier, so... We'll see what we can do. We might be able to do that. Yeah, wrestle up we a might, couple... We might be able to finagle it. She's gonna be on the traffic team, detective, detective. patrol. There you we'll go. Yep. Just be everywhere. There yep. you go.